thank you, worship team. Thank you, Lisa. And welcome this morning to uh, Bridge Community Church. Such a beautiful day today, isn't it? Yes, God is good. All right, well, my name is Andy Lipless. I'm one of the elders here at Bridge. And just wanted to thank you for being willing to share your time with us this morning, whether that's online or, or here in person. We know you've got a lot on your plate. You've got a lot to do. So the fact that you choose to spend this time with us really does mean a lot to us. We, we do appreciate that. Uh, if you've been following along recently here at Bridge, you'll know that at the beginning of this month, we started a new series called The Bible Engagement Project. And what we're doing is we're going through God's Word. We're going to cover the entire Bible uh, over a course of, of the next few months. And we're doing this at all of the levels of our church. So we're doing that here this morning in the sanctuary with the adults. Your kids down in the, in the kids' hallway are learning the same lessons that we are, just more of an age-appropriate content level for them. Uh, we're reinforcing it during the week through personal devotions in the app. Uh, small groups and our student ministries on Wednesday nights. Uh, and, and it's really exciting for me to see us digging into what the Word of God says and what His truth is in a time where so much of truth is being questioned and being challenged. So I, I'd encourage you to, to just stay plugged in with this, keep going with us. Uh, and I, I promise you, it, it will not disappoint you. I, I thought it was great what Lisa shared this morning about God bringing that verse from Ephesians to mind. Uh, And that can only happen if she's already read that verse in Ephesians. And so this is why it's so important to study God's word. It's as we, as we, you know, hide that in our hearts, as as Psalm 119 says, as we, we, we think about it, and as situations then come up, it's already there. We've got the answers, and God can bring to light what we've already learned and what we've already studied at just the right time. So, so exciting to, to see that happening and seeing that, seeing that play out in our congregation. Uh, this week, we are going to be wrapping up Volume 1 of the Bible Engagement Series, and we're going to cover three, I'm sorry, two uh, sessions, sessions three and four, kind of merging those together into a single lesson. Uh, that'll make a little bit more sense why we're doing that as we get uh, deeper into it. But if you're following along in your, your personal devotions through the app or in your small groups, we'll be focusing more on uh, session four throughout this week, but you kind of need session three to get you from two to, to four. Uh, so just a little bit of math for you there this morning in case you needed that. Uh, all right, so you guys, one of the other things uh, that I really like about the Bible Engagement Project is we're not just reading scripture, but we're also memorizing it. So with each volume, we pick a verse and we memorize it as adults. Our kids memorize it in their classrooms and we're doing it together as a body. You guys did a great job of... Uh, reciting it last week with Pastor Paul when he spoke. And so this week, I'm going to add a little bit of a twist. Uh, Normally, so normally, if I'm teaching here at Bridge, I'm teaching down the hall in the kids' wing. I'm not usually here with the adults. So what I challenge you guys this morning is not just to say the memory verse, but also follow along with the hand motions that the kids are learning. So I'm going to show it to you first, and then I'm going to encourage you guys to all stand up and join me. So uh, this is the verse with the hand motions. So it is, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119, 11. All right. So if you guys are brave enough to do that with me this morning, stand up on your feet. (laughs) There we go. 
All right, here we go. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.11. All right, great job. If you could... uh, Let's uh, just, if you could just join me in a word of prayer before we get started. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your word uh, and for the joy that it can bring and for the guidance that it can bring when we need it at, at just the right time. I pray that as we sang this morning, our eyes would be open uh, to hear what you have to say and that we would be able to just set aside any preconceived notions or assumptions that we might have and just be willing to let your spirit speak to us. I pray that these would not be my words, but that these would be your words spoken through me. And I pray that we would walk away changed and that you would get all of the glory. In the name of your son, we pray. Amen. All right. Well, if, uh, if, you're, in, if you're in Kid Zone this morning, in addition to the verse, you would also see what we call a faith fact. So every week we kind of try and pick one sentence that summarizes the entire lesson that they can walk away with. Uh, And so if we go to that next slide, here is the faith fact that your kids are learning down the hall this week. So feel free to quiz them at lunch this afternoon. Uh, And it's simply this, God wants me to obey. And so we're going to be kind of digging into that. We're going to go, we're going to cover a wide range of of scripture this morning from Genesis 3 all the way into Genesis chapter 7. Uh, But if you get nothing else out of the entire message, God wants me to obey, nice and simple. Uh, and that's actually one of the things that I enjoy so much about teaching in Kid Zone, not just being the tallest person in the room, but, <laughs> but, but kids to have a way of keeping things simple when a lot of times we as an adult tend to overcomplicate things. So let me, let me give you an example. I had uh, just started teaching Kid Zone probably about 10 or so years ago now. And I had just walked my first student through what we call the best decision ever. And, and what we mean by we, when we say that is that the student accepted Jesus into their heart and they chose that they were going to start living their life for Jesus, the best decision ever. And I wanted to make sure that everyone in the class understood what happened. So we didn't do it you know, off to the side quietly. We did it together as an entire class. Uh, we, we prayed together. And I wanted them to understand the gravity of what just happened. And I said, That the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices every time someone makes a decision to follow Jesus. And so basically what that means is there is a party going on in heaven at that very moment because of the decision that our friend made. And so, you know, I, I tried to explain that to the kids. And then I asked one of the most dangerous questions in children's ministries, which is, do you have any questions? <laughs> and, and at this point, you never know where, where the discussion is going to go from there. I remember uh, I was volunteering one time in my aunt's kindergarten class. I was teaching about the planets. I opened it up for questions and was fielding questions about Chuck E. Cheese. So, <laughs> so, so you don't know what's going to happen. And, and my mind is racing. I, you know, I had not been teaching very long, and I'm trying to think through all the possible questions they could ask me. Am I going to be able to come up with an answer that is theologically correct? Am I going to be able to explain it in a way that the kids will understand? What if they ask me something about predestination? What if they ask about once saved, always saved? And and my mind is just going a mile a minute. And the classroom is just crickets. The kids are just staring at me. And and just as I'm about to move on, the little girl who had just made uh, her best decision ever raises her hand. And she said, Mr. Andy, do they have any cake? (laughs) 
And, and I was so confused. I'm like, I'm sorry, Megan, does, does who have any cake? And she said, well, you told us that they're having a party in heaven for me right now. Do they have cake at the party? <laughs> and, and I had to admit, you know, Megan, the, the Bible doesn't say one way or another if they're having cake, but it would be a shame to have a party without it. <laughs> and, and later I was, I was kicking myself because in my mind, I was making things so complicated and I had completely glossed over the part that made the most impact to her. And that was the creator of the universe was celebrating something she just did. And you just miss that. And so that's one of the things that I love about getting the opportunity to teach your kids uh, down the hall in Kid Zone. Uh, and, I, and I think it goes really well with the analogy that Pastor Paul used a couple of weeks ago with the Etch-A-Sketch. I don't know if you remember that, where we get these images in our mind sometimes, and they're not quite right, but they seem like maybe they can be right. And, and uh, Romans 12 tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And sometimes we just need to shake that Etch-A-Sketch and kind of reset the image and let God draw a new image of our minds in our minds of uh, what, you know, what his word actually says. And so I wanted to give you an example of that this morning. We, talk about, we see a sentence like, God wants me to obey. And uh, a little tough to see on the screen here, but sometimes this is what we wind up picturing when we read a sentence that says, God wants me to obey. We think, I obey God, so he will love me. And we picture ourselves on the edge of this cliff and the flames of hell are behind us. And we know if we mess up just one more time, we're going down and it's all over. And there's God at the top of the mountain, right? And he's got these rules that are so heavy, they're literally engraved in stone between us and him. And if I could just get past all of these rules, maybe I can make it and maybe I'll be safe. And, and there are elements of this picture that are reality, but this is not the image that God wants us to see. This is not the order of things. And so what I would encourage you with this morning is if you shake that Etch-A-Sketch, I would offer that the image actually looks like this next slide. Not, I obey God so he will love me. The order is reversed. I obey God because he loves me. He loved first, and the problem is if we focus so much on all of the verses that start with thou shalt not, we miss verses like Romans 5, 8 that says, God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So yes, the flames of hell are real. Yes, we, we are in danger at times of losing our footing and falling into that temptation. And yes, God does have rules that he expects us to follow. But the thing that's between us and God is not the stone tablets of commandments, but it's the cross. And so what he offers first is the grace and the gift of salvation. Take that cross first. That's what's going to bring you up. Now, once you're up there, he's going to have a conversation about boundaries, right? Not getting so close to the edge of that cliff. There's going to be rules to follow, but the order here is so important. We are not obeying so that God will love us. He already loves us, and we're just obeying because he knows what's best for us, and he already has a plan. So you saw the, the kids' faith fact this morning is God wants us to obey. As adults, we're going to go a little bit deeper than that. Our faith fact this morning is on the next slide, uh, and it says this. God's word 
confirms the reality of sin and the gift of redemption. So here's where we're merging sessions three and four together from the Bible Engagement uh, Project. We've got the reality of sin and we've got the gift of redemption. And what we want to look through this morning in God's word is how those two pieces of the puzzle fit together. Uh, So we're going to kind of go fast this morning. We've got a lot of ground to cover. Uh, I want to give you a a roadmap of where we're going today. So if you can put that next slide up. Uh, Three main points that I want us to walk away with uh, remembering this morning. Number one is I have a choice. Building on that, number two, my choices have consequences. And then number three, God offers me a, a path to redemption. So we're, we're going to move kind of quickly through this. We've got several chapters to cover. We're not going to read them entirely, uh, but this is you know, one of the great aspects of the Bible Engagement pro- Project. You've got opportunities throughout this week in your small groups and your, your personal devotions to dive into this together. Uh, so if you want to get your finger and, and mark uh, in the Bible where we're going to be starting out, we're going to be starting off in uh, Genesis chapter 2. Uh, and we're going to start off with this first point, which is I have a choice. So Genesis chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 15. And it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So last week when Pastor Paul spoke about creation, he talked about how we have value and we have a purpose. Moving on into Genesis chapter 2, we add to that we have freedom and we also have boundaries. And so part of our purpose, if you remember, was, was caring for the earth that God created. And so kind of built into this, uh, into this verse is that garden that we were, we were called to maintain. And we had the freedom to eat from any of the trees in the garden we could choose, but he set with this one boundary that says there's one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, and you must not eat from that or you will certainly die. He did not create us as pre-programmed robots who could only do uh, what, what he tells us to do specifically. He gives us a choice, uh, and we have this gift of free will from him. So if we move on and we jump ahead to Genesis chapter 3, In verse 6, here you can see Adam and Eve starting to exercise this gift of free will that they have received. And it says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree, and this is referring to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. So see, they... They had a choice to make. They went through a decision process. They didn't just randomly happen to stumble on this tree. They thought it out, right? They said, it it looks pleasing to the eye. It looks like this is going to taste good. Gaining wisdom sounds like a good thing. She takes it. She eats it. Husbands, men, we're not off the hook here. It doesn't say she also forced it down her husband's throat or she snuck it in a casserole. (laughs) He was there. He was right there with her. He knew what was happening, and he chose to eat it too. Uh, and so we, we exercised that gift of free will that God gave us. We had the choice. We were given the ability to reason, to think, and we 
cho- we used that gift to choose something that was contrary uh, to what God had planned for us. Which leads us to uh, the point number two that we talked about. My choices have consequences. So what we see is, yes, we have this freedom to decide whatever we want, to do the things that we want, but we also have to live with the consequences that come out of the choices that we make. Uh, I think a a wise man, you may have heard of him, his name is Spider-Man, once said, with great power comes great responsibility. You knew where I was going with that, right? Uh, So, you know, we have this power of free will, but we then have to deal with that, with the the, uh, side effects of having that. So our choices have consequences. If we uh, skip ahead to Genesis, still in Genesis chapter 3, but verse, starting in verse 7, we see what happens, what is the consequence of the choices that Adam and Eve made. It says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Now there's a lot going on in there, more than just you know, two people realizing they didn't have any clothes on. There's, um, first of all, at this point, that is not when evil entered the world. Evil was already there with the knowledge of good and evil. What that tree did is it, it opened their eyes to it. It exposed them to the evil that was out there that they had previously been protected from. Uh, with, with this example, you know, talking about they realized they were naked. I think about, have you ever seen a toddler who manages to escape from his room and from his pull-up, and he's just prancing around the house, ashamed of nothing, because he's still so innocent, he doesn't realize that there's anything wrong with that. And that's what Adam and Eve lost in that moment. They had been created in this purity, in this innocence, and once their eyes were opened to the reality of sin and to the evil that was out there, they immediately realized there's something wrong here, you know, I, I, I'm naked. And, and what this speaks to is, is more than just things like modesty. It immediately, the first thing that sin attacked, the first thing that it did, is it changed how we perceive ourselves. We went in the, the creation story, it says that Adam and Eve were in the garden and they were naked and they were unashamed. And now all of a sudden they are vulnerable and they are fearful and they believe that they are inadequate. And so they went from, you know, just prancing around the house like that two-year-old to, to hiding from their creator, hiding from God, because they now knew that they were naked. And so their, their self-perception, their self-worth was damaged by sin because they now felt the inadequacy uh, that comes from, from knowing evil. So that's, that's the first thing that sin affected the next thing that we see sin affecting in these verses, not only our, our perception of ourselves, but our relationship with God. God used to come down uh, to the Garden of, Eve, of, of Eden and said in, in the cool of the day, he would walk together with Adam and Eve. And they had this relationship uh, that they were building uh, of trust and of love. And now suddenly what got injected to that relationship 
was fear. They had never had this before, but now that their eyes were opened, it says, I hid from you. I heard you coming. I was afraid and I hid because I felt inadequate. I felt vulnerable. And so you can see immediately the the consequences of the decisions that they made here that brought sin into their life and the decisions that, that we can make that bring sin into our lives can change how we view ourselves. It can damage our relationship with God. If we jump ahead a little bit to Genesis, still in Genesis 3, but jumping to verse 16, uh, God looks at Eve and says this, To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. So, you know, as a man, I can't say that I know what the experience of, of childbirth is like. Uh, but I know that it's very painful. Uh, I know that, that there are, are some, some couples that, that can maybe never even experience that at all because of the broken world that we're, li- that we're living in. Uh, so, so it is a very real thing. Uh, but what you see here is God does not take away Adam and Eve's ability to further the human race. One of the blessings that he gave us in the creation story was be fruitful and multiply. And so, you know, adding generations and generations to the family line. He doesn't take that away when we sin, but sin made it a whole lot harder to follow through with, right? So, So Eve still winds up being able to have children, but it's a lot more painful. It's a lot more difficult. One of the other blessings that God gave humankind in the creation story was the relationship with man and woman. When it was just Adam, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And so he had created Eve to be his helper and to be his partner. And what we see in verse 16 is he doesn't take that away. He doesn't separate Adam and Eve. But what sin does is it introduces complications and relational struggles and challenges. So we still have the institution of marriage. But if you've been married for any length of time, you know it's hard sometimes, right? And that's because it is... The world is not functioning the way God designed it to function. And this is part of the consequence of the original sin uh, that, we, that we chose to, to exercise as humans. And we're not done with the consequences. So that's, uh, that's what he said to Eve. Then in verse 17, he turns his attention to Adam. And to Adam, he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. Now, husbands, this is not a verse to use to say, God will curse me if I listen to my wife. All that's going to do is cause more of the relational conflict that we talked about on the last slide. Uh, What's happening here is... If you remember what Pastor Paul talked about last week, that God gave us a purpose. And part of that purpose, part of the job that he gave us was to maintain the earth and to harvest food and to use his creation to to feed ourselves, to feed our family. Again, God doesn't take that away, but this is yet another thing that sin makes that much harder. You know, how many people know whatever your job is, whatever field you're in, there are days where it is just a grind, and it feels like, you know, if you were a gardener, there's just 
one thorn and thistle after another, making things so hard as you're trying to fulfill whatever purpose it is God has placed into your life. And so we see, you know, sin has all these consequences. It, you know, it's tarnished our, our personal image, our relationship with God, our relationship with, with, with each other, our, our family generations, uh, our, the purpose that we've been given. And if we only covered session three this week, we would be walking out of here on such a downer right? <laughs> so there, there's good news, and the good news is we're, we're merging this with, uh, with session four. So what I want to do is quickly fast forward through the next couple of chapters, and I'm going to give you three chapters in a single slide. Um, oh, yeah, there we go. So, so what happens after chapter three? We, you know, we see all these consequences of sin. You know, we think, does, or do Adam and Eve, are they going to turn this around? Are they going to figure it out? Uh, we get to Genesis chapter 4, their two sons, Cain and Abel, we have the first murder, right? Their son Cain kills their son Abel, you know. So things are starting to kind of spiral downhill here. Chapter 5 is uh, a genealogy, and it lists 10 different generations that go from Adam down to Noah. And you see, you know, who was the father of whom? So you think 10 generations... We should be able to figure things out in that amount of time, right? We can, we can righten the ship here. We can straighten things out in 10 generations. But look what it says in the fifth verse of uh, Genesis chapter 6. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. So things had just gone completely out of control, all by this one decision that got made. And we see things just coming, you know, coming unglued at this point. Uh, And then you see what God's response is to that. If we say in Genesis chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, maybe one of the saddest verses in the Bible. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. So here we see a picture not of an angry God ready to throw some stone uh, tablets at us, but as a grieving father. Have you ever been in that position, maybe as a parent, maybe as a friend, where you see someone that you love so deeply making choices that you know are not the right choices from them, for them. And there's, but there's only so much you can do, right? And and sometimes you have to make these tough choices. And and I know that it grieved the heart of the father. It says his heart was deeply troubled to the point where he he regretted even having made his creation. Uh, But, but he, he had to fulfill the consequences of the choices and of the sin that was made. Because if we saw what happened, how far things spiraled out of control in just two chapters, right? From chapter 5 to chapter 6, and, you know, and that's the first book of the Bible. You can only imagine just how bad things were going to go, keep getting, uh, if, if God didn't do anything. So, thankfully, we move to session 4 and point number three in this morning's message, uh, which is God offers me a path to redemption. So it's true that we have choices. 
It's true that we have to deal with the consequences, but thankfully it's true that where we are, we don't have to stay stuck there. God offers us this path to redemption. So continuing uh, in Genesis, we're going to jump to Genesis chapter 7 now, uh, starting at the first verse, uh, Genesis chapter 1. So in the midst of you know, all evil all the time, the Lord says to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and one pair of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate, and also seven pairs of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive through the earth. Now, if you've ever stepped through the doors of a church, you've probably heard the story of Noah. If you've been in a kid's class, if you've read children's books, this is one of the most common Bible stories. And who doesn't love a boat full of cute little animals, right? But, but there is a lot going on here uh, that I want to make sure we don't miss by rushing through just these three verses. If you remember all of the things that sin cursed when we dealt with the the consequences of sin, in these three verses, God starts to build it all back together and restore his original intent. Remember how Adam and Eve felt naked and vulnerable, and they said, you know, I'm not worthy, I'm afraid, I'm hiding. God says, I have found you righteous. So he begins to change our image of how we see ourselves and how he sees us. We see challenges in our relationships and in our, built, our ability to carry on family from generation to generation. But God doesn't send Noah to the ark alone with all of these animals. He says, take with you your whole family. So he brings his wife. He brings his three sons. He brings his three sons' wives. And so relationship is restored within that ark, the husband and wife relationship, the parent-to-child relationship that was made so difficult in childbirth. He begins to restore that by sending the whole family together into this ark, into this redemption plan. And lastly, the purpose that we had to take care of the earth and to take care of the animals and the plants. He restores that in the boat as well. It's not just you know some small little boat that's just got, what is that, seven, seven people in it. Uh, floating around. He doesn't want to lose the creation that he created uh, and all the animals that it was our purpose and our responsibility to take care of. He puts them on the boat as well. And so he has this comprehensive plan to build back everything that sin has been breaking apart for these 10 generations from Adam to Noah. And then here's, here's our part of it, right? We see three verses of, of what God is going to be doing. And then our part comes in verse 5 of chapter 7. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. So you see, Noah's obedience was a response to God's love. So he had this relationship with God. God has a plan for salvation. Noah still has a choice. You know, he still could have said, God, that's crazy, I'm not building a boat. I don't want all these animals. He still had that choice, but he made the right choice. And he chose to still follow God. And through him, God was able to restore all the promises that he had made to Adam and Eve and to the generations. And, and yes, we still 
live in a broken world, we still deal with the consequences of the choices that we made, but it's not hopeless. God still offers us this plan for redemption. Uh, and, and that's why, uh, if we can put that, that, uh, our faith fact up uh, again, that's why we, it's so important for us to see both sides of this picture here. And if, if the worship team can, can come up and, and start to prepare to close us out, um, it's so important to see, see both sides of this coin here. The, the reality of sin, the gift of redemption, how it plays together, how we see it play together, you know, thousands of years ago in Adam and Eve and in Noah. But you might be thinking, well, that's a nice story. I, I remember reading that to my kids when they were little. I remember seeing the boat and the animals. Uh, what does that have to do with me today? We're not going to be building another boat. We're not getting another flood although maybe Christ in action could use a boat, maybe. <laughs> might, might help you out. Um, but, but what does it really mean to me today? And so what I want to point out, and, and if you, you may have caught this, that I skipped over it in uh, Genesis chapter 3 when I was talking about uh, God doling out the con- consequences to Adam and Eve, starting in verse 16. But if we put the next chart up, this is what God said in verse 15. So before he addresses Adam and Eve, he addresses the serpent uh, in the Garden of Eden, which, which we believe was uh, a form of Satan uh, in, the, in the form of a serpent. And what he says to Satan is, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will, will strike his heel. And this, of course, is a uh, prophetic uh, declaration of what is going to happen thousands of years later, when Satan believes that he has defeated Jesus by nailing him to the cross, that's what it means by you, um, you will strike his heel. But Jesus would have the ultimate victory in crushing Satan's head, in destroying the power of sin, and, and offering us this gift of, of, uh, of redemption and of salvation. And I keep saying it, but this is why the order is so important here that before he spoke a single word of judgment, he had already spoken a word of prophecy of our redemption and, and his plan uh, for, for how he was going to make all of this right. And uh, if we jump ahead, we're going to fast forward a little bit and sneak into the, the New Testament for a couple of minutes. Romans uh, chapter 6 verse 23 gives us what basically sums up our decision space, our choices in in a single sentence. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So in in this verse, we see the consequences of sin. The wages of sin is death. We see God's plan for redemption, eternal life. And the other thing that is so important to point out here is look at the two words that he uses, wages and gift. So wages, that's something you earn. You know, you go to work, you do your job, you get your paycheck. Those, those are your wages. So we earned the consequences of our sin, but we are not trying to climb back up that hill and earn our redemption like we saw in that first Etch-A-Sketch picture. The redemption, the free gift of salvation from God is a gift. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the other beautiful thing about that is that 
that gift is not just for those he chooses to be worthy of receiving this free gift. If we jump to Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So, you know, the bad news here is that we have all sinned. None of us can do this on our own. None of us are good enough to climb up that hill all by ourselves, but none of us have to. This free gift of the grace of God that comes through through the blood of Jesus is available to everyone. And so uh, what we're going to be doing at the, the end of this service is uh, in, in just a minute, the worship team is going to sing a song. And, and this is going to be an opportunity for you to, again, we have choices, right? So you can choose how you want to spend these next few minutes. You can sing along. Uh, you can sit and reflect. Uh, if, if we could put that next slide up, I, I offered this as a, as a reflection question during this time. But ask yourself, how does the offer of God's free gift of redemption affect the choices I make? Maybe this morning you've never accepted Jesus. You've never had that personal relationship with him. And maybe today is your time, like Megan uh, in my story uh, from the, the beginning of the service, to make that best decision ever and say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to accept this free gift because I've tried this on my own and I just, I just can't do it. I know I, I'm never going to do it. I'm never going to be able to achieve that on my own. Maybe you already have accepted Jesus and you have been living, living for him. I would ask you, what choices are you making knowing that you already have this free gift? What choices are you making in your own life? And who are you bringing with you on the boat? Right? Noah didn't ride the ark all by himself. He brought his wife, he brought his kids, he brought his son's wives. If you've already been rescued this morning, who are you bring, bringing with you? Maybe in this time of reflection, this is a time for you to think about who is in my sphere of influence? Who do I have relationships with that need to know you? And maybe that's what God wants to speak to you this morning and put a particular name uh, on your heart of someone that, that you can be sharing this message with. So uh, I'm going to be turning it over to the worship team and we're going to be singing a song called Reckless Love. And, and what it talks about is just the, the amazing love that God has for us, that he would send his son to rescue us in the middle of the mess that we have made of, of our own lives. And so, like I said, Spend some time, sing along, use this to reflect. I'll be back up in a couple of minutes to kind of close things out and and talk through next steps. But at this point, uh, these next few minutes are just for you and how you choose to respond to the message that we've just heard.